And this is a perspective that uh, has been, you know, part of indigenous culture in Southeast Alaska forever. I mean, it's just, it's essential to how people were able to survive on this land and thrive on this land. And so this is a, that's kind of our, the focus of our project is looking at research projects that high school students in rural Alaska can do that are consistent with the priorities and values of their local tribal organizations. My name's uh, Ellen Chenoweth, and I am a whale foraging ecologist by training, and I'm currently the director of the University of Alaska Southeast's Rural Alaska Students in One Health Research Program. Welcome to episode 26 of Below the Tide. My name is Liz, and I am your host. If you haven't listened to episodes 24 and 25, I would recommend going back and checking those out because you'll get an intro to Ellen and her work and kind of the environment that she works in. And today's episode is about an education program that she runs for rural Alaska students. And I think that it's really important to showcase these kinds of things because it's a really important part of science. Science isn't just in a lab on a boat, in a textbook. It also involves science education, and I will let her explain the rest of it. If this is your first time listening to Blow the Tide, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Blow the Tide is basically a podcast where I'm trying to make marine science more accessible, more easy to learn by bringing you straight to the source, straight to the marine science experts. I'm giving them a place where they can share their research, share some of their work, share some of their great stories in an easy to understand way. You can follow on social media at Below the Tide Pod for educational resources and updates about the podcast. So I hope you grab a coffee and enjoy this episode. I also wanted to talk about the education program that you're a part of. Yeah. I can't remember now what the acronym stands for, but I'll let you kind of do an intro and talk about it. Okay, yeah, so called Rural Alaska Students in One Health Research, and the acronym is RASOR, R-A-S-O-R. And so this is a project that I am the director of. I've worked on it for three years, and it's funded by the National Institutes of Health, actually. So they're really interested in helping to increase diversity in biomedical research, which doesn't sound like anything that I've talked about so far. (laughs) Um, But there's this idea in biomedicine called One Health, which is the idea that our health is really closely connected with the health of our environment and of animals in our environment specifically. So this is kind of where the idea comes from to like vaccinate dogs for rabies so that people don't get rabies. Um, So if we kind of take care of our environment, then our health is improved. And this is a perspective that uh, has been you know part of indigenous culture in southeast alaska forever i mean it's just it's essential to how people were able to survive on this land and thrive on this land and so this is a that's kind of our the focus of our project is looking at research projects that high school students in rural alaska can do that are consistent with the priorities and values of their local tribal organizations in terms of um, monitoring their environment for um health hazards and for, you know, healthy opportunities to feed on local subsistence foods. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And what are like some ideas of some of the projects or things that you've kind of seen? Yeah. So we've had, 
originally we work with um, the, 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 our research mentors are in each community and they're part of a network that monitors harmful algal blooms and shellfish toxins. Mm -hmm. So as waters are getting warmer, the amount of time during the year when our phytoplankton are creating these harmful toxins um, is, you know, seems to be increasing. And so it's really important now to monitor for those blooms, especially when they occur during parts of the year that were traditionally considered um, relatively low risk for harvesting shellfish. So the shellfish taking these toxins, it doesn't bother them, but they, um, they build up in their tissues and they concentrate those toxins. So if you eat a shellfish that has high levels of toxins, it's, um, I mean, it can kill you. They're quite deadly. Uh, it's one of the most toxic substances um, in the world. Like it's been studied for bio warfare and things because mm -hmm. it's, it's a small amount to um, cause a really big problem. So it's, so the tribal organizations monitor um, the shellfish and monitor the ocean water for those toxins. And so our students get involved in that. They ask questions that are locally relevant, like comparing different beaches and to see what the toxin levels on different beaches are or different parts of a shellfish or different species. Um, we've also had students get really interested in microplastics. It seems to be, you know, a topic that really resonates with young people because it's kind of a, a topic for their generation. This is a, you know, a new, newer, newer um, piece of our environment. And so understanding where those are showing up in different types of subsistence foods as well, or traditional foods um, and monitoring for that. And then fecal coliforms. So we had students who actually looked to see if um, dogs on trails were causing any kind of um, water contamination in their area and to try to encourage people to be better stewards of their animals' waste. <laughs> so <laughs> lots of different topics. And what I really like about the program is that it's really driven by the students, but also the research mentors that are in each community that kind of know each community really well. So the students that are, I, I don't need to know every the ins and outs of every different community. Um, and we can have really unique, really targeted projects that are relevant to, to each different place in Southeast Alaska. That's so cool. And like, how many communities do you have that you're working with? Um, so we've had students in seven different communities so far that have worked with us in the program. Um, we're looking, always looking to bring in new communities. Um, and we're, you know, really interested in focusing in areas where there's a lot of rural and indigenous students, um, because that's a group that's really underrepresented in biomedical science. I mean, it's a group that has such an incredible historical and close connection with their environment and awareness of their environment. And they have a ton to contribute to our understanding of biomedical science. Um, but educational structures are just not well set up to reach them where they live in these really small rural communities um, and to kind of work with their their perspective and um, yeah, give them the kind of the academic tools that they need to make those contributions. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, and it's just been so much fun to work with these students. They're just really enthusiastic, know their environment so well. Um, and every one of these communities is unique and beautiful. And, you know, they're all on the ocean. They're in these, on islands that are disconnected from the mainland. So you can't drive off of them. They're all 
um, very isolated and and so that makes them really unique and um, really exciting to to visit there and get to know each of these different communities. Yeah, and it's so cool that they are able to use like what they see and what they live in to do to learn about this kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's really um, needed and and unique about our program because so many programs for for underserved students want to bring them to a university and give them a summer program. And it just kind of reinforces this idea. I mean, a lot of that is great and it gives students opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so that's that's awesome. Um, but it does kind of give this idea that science is something that you have to do somewhere else that you have to leave to do. And we want to really show them that there's science happening in their community and that they can be a part of that. Yeah, that's so cool. It's like kind of what everyone realized over COVID with remote learning and stuff. <laughs> but you guys were actually able to apply it to even like their traditional territories and their traditional knowledge and things like that. Yeah, it's it's funny because we did have this program kind of structured and when COVID happened, it was like we were already in that mode because I you know work with students remotely. And um, so we didn't get to do as much travel as we wanted to, but I think especially in that first year, the students were so grateful that they had something that was still happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And do the do the students visit other communities? Like, do they get to know each other as well? Yeah, the original plan was that they would all come to Sitka, which is kind of a, it's a small community. It's only 9,000 people, but for this region, it's a, it's a hub, you know, <laughs> coffee shops and stuff. So, um, yeah, so they were going to come to Sitka and meet some scientists and hang out with each other and get to know each other. Um, we had to change that the last few years. We haven't been able to do that, but we're hoping to do it again this year um, and give them that opportunity. And I, I would love to, at some point in the program, instead of bringing them to Sitka every time, you know, bring all the students to one of these even smaller communities that they might not have a chance to experience and um, run the program out of there for a few days uh, and give them the chance to do that. So maybe that's something that I'm looking at for maybe the next, the next iteration of our program. That sounds so cool. Yeah, I just, I really admire all of that and everything that you're that you're doing. And like the fact that you've been able to push it through COVID as well. I feel like a lot of programs might've slipped through the cracks and that kind of thing, but you guys seem like you're so set up for that. We made it work. I mean, we had all this travel money to bring students to Sitka to do a fish dissection. And we were like, well, we can't put kids on planes, but we can put fish on planes. So we like, <laughs> We put the fish on the um, planes instead, you know, as air cargo and shipped them off to these small communities. And then we led dissections with them over Zoom and put together, you know, packets of dissection equipment and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it was it was fun to kind of see how much we could push the envelope, how creative we could be um, to. And that's where the virtual necropsy came from. Also, you know, the idea of trying to do what we can remotely. And that's something that you don't usually have the opportunity to do it in real life. So remote's kind of the only way. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. I'm yeah. really proud of the program. I'm really proud of our partners and our students. And um, yeah, it's been a really cool experience to, um, to lead that program and kind of have that balance out. The research side of my brain that wants to ask these big questions and make these tiny contributions to human knowledge and also to be able to work with students and to be able to see an impact, you know, on an individual level. 
Yeah, it like it gives you two different spheres of science. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of the times people will think, you know, science is in a lab or it's on a boat in marine cases. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't think of all the other aspects of marine science, like the science communication and the science education and like these programs, which do help people move forward and help, you know, maybe the next person who's going to look at the humpback whales eating all the juvenile salmon. (laughs) Well, that's cool. I'm glad. I mean, I appreciate you making time for that on your podcast too. Oh yeah, of course. I think that, I don't know. I think it's really important. I think it's so interesting and it, it shows, you know, a human aspect to scientists as well, which was a big point of below the tide was to show that uh, marine science isn't just, you know, whales and dolphins because, you know, there are marine scientists who do, the tiny little things but then you also have people who do other things with their PhDs and their science and they go off and they like shape understandings and I think that's really important Thanks for listening to this episode of Below the Tide. Don't forget to follow and rate and review this episode and I will be seeing you next week.